Hello, and welcome back to Wellbeing and Your Wallet, uh, your one-stop shop podcast for all that is financial well-being. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Once again, uh, I am your host, Grant Gallagher. I am the head of financial well-being and brand communications here at Affinity Federal Credit Union. And with me today is my co-host as usual, uh, Sean, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, happy to do it. My name is Sean Lubitz. I'm the vice president of retail and digital branching here at Affinity Federal Credit Union. Thanks for having me, Grant. Thanks for joining, Sean. And then uh, we also have a very special guest with us today, uh, Mara Hujaharis from Gallup. Uh, Mara, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? And I apologize if I butchered your last name, which I'm sure I did. That's all right, Grant. I get that everywhere I go. Uh, Good to be with you and all your listeners. My name is Mara Hugerhaus. Uh, My background's in organizational learning, so I've really spent the last 10 plus years at Gallup helping individuals and organizations think about how they make the most meaningful contribution possible to their workplace and the world. And that comes in a lot of different shapes and formats, but excited to share some of our research and um, best practices with you all today. Excellent. Well, well, we appreciate you coming from, you know, obviously many years of experience, uh, a world-class organization like Gallup with lots of knowledge and background expertise there. And uh, I do appreciate your your forgive, forgivefulness of my butchering of your last name. Uh, those in the audience that don't know, I've actually known Mara for uh, quite a few years now, and there really is no excuse for me to not be able to pronounce her last name. So, but thank you. Very much appreciate you joining the pod today and uh, all the great information you're going to bring to our audience today. All right. So pivoting over real quick, uh, Sean, you want to kick us off with an icebreaker? Yeah, absolutely. I would, um, I would like to try to give you credit for being close on the pronunciation there, Grant, but definitely you were, you were a little, little off there. Um, the icebreaker question we have today. So how do you define well-being and what does it mean to you? I mean, as a good Gallup citizen, it's hard for me not to lead with Gallup's definition of well-being, <laughs> which, of course, is all the things that are important to how we think about and experience our lives. Reflecting on my personal definition, I land on my well-being is really about my well-doing. So knowing how I spend my time and energy makes a difference at work, for my family, for myself, that's a really important aspect for me. Yeah. And for me, you know, it's really all about your quality of life. It's about, you know, if you're having any major uh, sources of stress in your life, are there things in your life that make you happy? Are you able to to take advantage of those and, and, you know, really enjoy hobbies and and things like that? Um, You know, and and can you even define what your best life looks like, you know, and, and, and is that realistically achievable? Um, You know, if that's not within reach, then you might be struggling a little bit there. Sean, how about yourself? Yeah, I think um, combination of everything you both have said to this point, but really to me, it's just about gauging your your levels of stress, right? And we've we've talked about it on you know previous podcasts, but just that overall emotional connection to stress. Um, and I think what we'll get into today, which is exciting, is how to not feel overwhelmed as as an umbrella, if you will. How to really come kind of compartmentalize where is that stress coming from, and then even building a plan to say, all right, how can I, you know, how can I take care of this piece of my well-being or, you know, that piece of my well-being um, to ensure that overall those stressors are, are lessened. Um, and it, obviously we've talked about it again before, but stress is inevitable. It's going to happen. So I think it's just a matter of understanding it and um, being able to create a plan to relieve some of that stress. Yeah. Great, great points all around. So, you know, obviously 
here at Wellbeing in Your Wallet, we dedicate a lot of time on well-being and, and money. Um, and, you know, it's right there in the name. It's our namesake. So uh, obviously, though, the recipe for well-being is a, a much broader uh, recipe than just that one area. Uh, you know, otherwise, we would see the world's millionaires and billionaires in a constant state of bliss. And, you know, we'd all live in harmony. Um there are many different flavors and definitions of well-being out there, depending on you know what research you've read. Um, but obviously, you know Gallup has narrowed it down to really five important factors. And you know, as a partner of Gallup, Affinity really leans heavily into that research and in those five areas. Um, so that you know, definition and framework that that Gallup uh, subscribes to is what we'll be discussing today. So. With that being said, you know, uh, Mara, would you mind just giving us a quick overview of the five different pillars of well-being? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with five of them, you know, newsflash, it's not just health and wealth, right? There's more <laughs> to a life well lived than that, although those are important elements. And so these universal elements of well-being that we found really differentiate a thriving life from a suffering or struggling life and that we can do something about. Uh, start with career well-being. I'd boil that down to liking what you do every day. We spend a lot of time at work. So career well-being is do I like how I'm spending that time at work and the people I'm spending it with? Yeah. Speaking of the people I spend time with, social well-being is the second element. That's about meaningful relationships in your life. Financial well-being, something near and dear to your heart, is the third element of well-being managing your money well. I love what Sean said about his definition of well-being, stress, confidence, enjoyment. Those are words that come to mind when I think about managing your money well. It's not just the dot, the numbers, it's the emotions related to the numbers. The fourth is physical well-being. And we boil that down to not are we all, um, you know, pro athletes, but do we have enough energy to do the things we want to do in a day? Yeah. And then the fifth is community well-being. Do you like where you live? Yep. Yeah. All all important parts, and you know, obviously they they all have different ways that they affect an individual's overall health and happiness. Um, could you share a little bit about you know, and not all of them, obviously, but a, just a couple of those of how they can really tie back to an individual's overall happiness. Yeah. You know, maybe I could unpack happiness for a minute, Grant. Uh, Love it. Love it. Well, you know, it's very, we're getting very philosophical here all of a sudden. What is happiness? <laughs> when we've done the research on a life well lived, you can think about kind of, you can think about that through two lenses. It's our, the life we experience today and the hope we have for the future tomorrow. And so you know, kind of a, the, the well-being is not just what's going on today. It is my hope for tomorrow. It's relative. What is yeah. the perfect life for me compared to the life I'm living right now? And so if I think about happiness, and, and I would even use Gallup's term thriving. So people who have high well-being, they have positive views of their present life, and they have positive views of the future that can connect to a lot of things in our lives. When you have yep. those types of positive views of today and hope for tomorrow, you have fewer health problems. You have less worry and stress. You're more resilient for the inevitable stress, Sean, as you mentioned, we all have. Mm -hmm. You're happier. You have more energy, more interest in the things you're doing. And so kind of a, a a positive current state decision uh, influences the decisions right now. And then 
also reveals kind of that hopefulness for the future. Yeah, just to, I just wanted to add to that really quick. I, I think it's so important to understand that you can have happiness or, you know, feel very good about one or two or three of these pillars. But I mean, we, I mean, I see it all the time dealing with people in their finances. There are people who have no worry in the world when it comes to finances, but they, they don't like what they do, right? They don't like their job. They might make a lot of money, but they're miserable. Um, they don't feel a sense of community. They don't have that, you know, that social aspect of their life. Um, and you might see it the other way around. I, I know I'm guilty of this too. You see, you know, a celebrity on TV complain, about how they have, you know, all this money in this huge house, but they're just not happy, right? And it's very easy to say, how can you not be happy, right? You have all the money in the world. You have this, um, this mansion, this pool, you know, I don't understand from my point of view how you cannot be happy, but it is different for everybody. And there's extremes in each one of these pillars. And I think that's important for people to remember. Yeah, I think that's, that's all really good, good points. And, you know, something I want to extrapolate from that is so much of our happiness comes from our context. It's how we perceive our situations. It's how we perceive how we're doing in life. Uh, you know, there really is no true hundred percent neutral observation of a situation. We all process it through our experiences, our, our, you know, our relationships, things like that. So, you know, you could find two people that are in the exact same scenario and it'll be a wildly different perception of the impact of it, how much stress it causes, if it's an opportunity for happiness. Um, so, you know, a lot of that is really just, you got to think about your situation. You have to think about being mindful and, and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, stress related and mental health techniques that you can use to also help, you know, move these things in, in the right direction if you are struggling. Um, but it, it really all kind of boils down to is, is your perception at the end of the day reasonable or are you your worst, worst own critic? You know, and a lot of us are, I mean, that, uh, that's the unfortunate reality is we're, we're all very harsh of, of ourselves. Um, but but anyway, that's a little little divergent from from the topic at hand. So you know, pulling back to you know those those five pillars of well being, um, and just kind of talking about their their interconnected nature. You know, when we're looking at and you know, I'll use career as an example. You know, you spend a good amount of your time at work, and you know, if you have that high stress career or data dissatisfaction with your job. Um, you know, it's going to have a negative impact on nearly everything else. You know, you're not going to have a lot of time to spend with friends and family. You might not have that opportunity to uh, work out every day or work out at a cadence that you want. Um, you know, your financial life might be okay, assuming that that job pays well. Um, but again, you may not even, you know, really have time to spend in your community to feel good about it, you know, or, or, or even do, you know, some social work related to it. So, you know, that one element has that interconnectedness with, with all of those different things. Um, you know, and, and really it's like, there's even some elements to the interconnected nature that most people don't even consider where it's like, when you're thinking about the social element of a career and, you know, Mari, you're, you're well familiar with this. Um, but you know, having a best friend at work has a significant impact on engagement and job satisfaction, you know? And it's like that, that can that can make or break whether whether you have a good or a bad day in the office. I'll do you one better, Grant. What if your best friend was your manager? Yeah, we did uh, a lot of research uh, back in the '90s, looking at kind of stress in the workplace, and we actually did some studies where we were testing saliva for different. Um, 
different levels to see kind of the stress that was showing up at different times of the day. And when it all boiled down to it, it showed that the most stressful times in the day for most employees were when they were talking to their manager. Interesting. And so you think about this interconnectedness of these elements and our manager plays such an important role in our career well-being and our own engagement. But if we have strong relationships in the workplace with colleagues, but if we have a strong relationship in the workplace with our manager, could that open the doors for even more career well-being, social well-being, et cetera? I, I love that point, honestly, because I think um, there, if there's stress, there's, there's that level of fear, right, to, to sit down with your manager, have a one-on-one, or, yeah. or bring up an idea, or maybe provide some feedback or information that's not ideal. Maybe a, you know, a project didn't work out how you intended, or you didn't reach a certain target, whatever it might be. And if you have that fear constantly lingering over you, that can get very, very heavy um, again. And so to your point, even if you have that, that best friend at work, if you don't have that relationship with your manager, it, it's a lot of weight on you. Um, and again, I think it absolutely has a tremendous impact on the overall performance of those employees as well. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mara, are there, are there any other interconnectedness uh, natures of the five different pillars that, that you wanted to, to flag for us? It's all interconnected. All you have to do is remember how we navigated the pandemic to realize that life and work are intertwined and all of these things are, are interconnected. So I often think about social and physical well-being. You know, mm. why is it that so many of us are much more likely to show up at the gym when we have friends that we're meeting to do it together? Or we go on walks together and that lifts us both in social and physical well-being. So these things influence one another. And the, the beauty of that is, I guess, if you want to start working on your well-being and improving your well-being, a rising tide lifts all boats. So we certainly have perspectives on where you start. But I think the biggest point is start somewhere, focus on something, and it becomes a virtuous cycle because they are interrelated. That, that's actually a really great point because I know personally when I had a gym buddy, you know, <laughs> for years, I maybe would miss once a month, you know, we go a, f- a few times a week. And then once we moved apart and lost that connection, you know, my gym uh, attendance definitely dropped off. Then when I, you know, when my wife moved in and we started going together again, very consistent schedule, we motivated each other, we kept each other going. Uh, then we had kids and we could not both go to the gym together. And I've now been donating to my gym for about nine months. <laughs> so, you know, it definitely resonates with me. Yeah. Um, and just thinking about that too is, you know, how can, when we're thinking about our own well being and, and we're trying to improve it, you know, what, what advice do you have out there for individuals to kind of think about what they can do to focus on which areas they should really prioritize and and focus? So I hate to give like the classic, it depends answer. So I won't, (laughs) I'll tell you where to start. (laughs) Start with career. We've kind of been circling this already talking about the importance of the manager, the importance of the workplace and how long we spend uh, and how much time we spend there. And so this is a common question about where to ask. That's where you start. Thriving in what you do every single day 
makes for stronger relationships. When you have a bad day at work, what kind of husband and father are you, Grant? I mean, you're probably still a great one, but you might have that much less patience (laughs) for your family and your girls. Um, You might not be as great a neighbor going above and beyond for you to do the neighborly thing. And so I think so much of how we show up in this world stems from that, that workplace. Uh, You know, Gallup is some of the original kind of one of the original polling organizations in the world. And what we know is that the world, what the world wants most is a good job. And so start there. Think about how you spend your time, what you're doing and, uh, and find ways to do more of what you do best in your work. Yeah. No, excellent advice. Um, you know, we, we all, there's the concept out there of we all have finite attention and energy. And, you know, if you're going into work and it's just drain, 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 when you get home, you know, you, you have very little left to, to give to anybody else. And, uh, you know, you're, you're definitely not, not giving your best self to, to your family. So that's, that's excellent, excellent advice. You know, I think we're going to now take a little pivot and, you know, look into, financial well-being and banking, you know, we've talked about overall well-being a, a little bit here, but you know, let's let's pull this back into to, you know, more towards what affinity is really focused on, what our podcast is really focused on. Um and just think about a little bit about the uh, you know, trends in financial well-being and banking. You know, I I know that what we've seen out there from the data is currently it's a, a stressful financial time. You know, people are really trying to get back to whatever normal looks like post pandemic, uh, you know, we're bumping up against student loan payments resuming and that being a a big stressor for, for many. Um, and then we've also, you know, seen some wage growth over the last few years, but inflation has eaten up a lot of that, you know, and now higher costs on goods and essential goods are, are making people kind of in a tougher financial place than, than they, than they have been. Um, you know, is, is there any advice of, you know, tools or resources or, you know, even leveraging AI that people can can use to really support their financial well-being? Yeah, you know, one of the easiest things that comes to mind is where you spend your money matters. And what we've seen in the research is that spending money on experiences, not things, makes a difference. And we're all you know, we all have different financial lives right now. And that might not mean spending on a big Disney vacation. That might mean going to your favorite restaurant or spending on a little self-care for those of us with a lot of kids, you know, just to get a, a little yeah. time away and, and do something for ourselves. But that that stays with you longer. You, you can kind of nerd out on memory and how we evaluate our lives versus experience our lives. And so many of us look back and evaluate our lives higher than how we experience them in the moment. And one of the things that contributes to a more positive evaluation of our life is experiences, things that lift you up and do them with people that you love. And and that can help. Yeah. One of the things that that we've done a lot of research on and, and conversation about is, you know, having an affordable vacation and, you know, making sure that you're setting those goals to work towards it. Um, and, you know, just the activity of, of setting those goals and working towards something, it can really boost your level of optimism, right? Um, you know, one of, one of the things that we've unfortunately been seeing is, is that individual uh, savings rates. I, I actually saw a, a recent study on this, but the average credit union member savings balance has dropped nearly $300 year over year from 2022 to 2023. So, you know, even though people are still saving, they're saving at a, a lower amount. So 
while yes, that's going to impact their ability to necessarily live at the same level, maybe go on that same vacation that they have in the past, um, just creating that goal and working towards it and planning does have those benefits still. So it's, you know, the worst thing you can do is just kind of look at the tough financial environment and just kind of throw your hands up and say, you know, throw in the towel, really. Yeah. You know, the word that comes to mind is agency. And so how do we... How do we take back a little of our agency and whether it's small, small goals, small decisions that that make a difference, but feel like we aren't at the hands and the whim of the economy around us? I think, Sean, you said at the beginning, you know, we're often our, our we get in our own way. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly true. A lot of the way we get in our way is that we allow short-term decisions to override what's best for us in the long term. Yeah. And so again, finding the small shifts in behavior today and tomorrow over time can create a huge shift, but you've got to take the reins and make that decision and own it uh, to, to see that benefit longer term. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one of the, one of the number of things that number one things that Sean, Sean and I are always encouraging our, our listeners to do is, is to reach out and get help, you know, talk to somebody who can help you put together a plan, look, look forward on, on kind of what the financial environment looks like. Um, you know, even just help give you context on what your financial situation looks like, because, you know, many financial professionals are talking to dozens, if not more people a day, they have a much better perspective on kind of where you are and and what you're doing and and how to get there with the least amount of stress and, and pain. Um, you know, but I, I will put out the warning there that, a lot of banking uh, institutions have jumped on the well-being train without it even necessarily being well-being focused. You know, they're just kind of putting window dressing on the same education or financial planning services that they've always offered. And don't get me wrong, you know, financial planning and education are, are important tools and resources to enable well-being, but it's a, a little bit of a different approach than really focusing on, you know, what we've focused on from from a well-being perspective. It's not necessarily the the holistic approach. Um, and unfortunately, while financial planning is aligned, it sometimes is cost prohibitive. So, you know, it, it it really is kind of a buyer beware situation. Don't kind of fall for for those buzzwords that are that are out there a lot, unfortunately. Um, but you know, just looking forward. Uh, and you know, Mara, feel free to pass on this if if you think this is a tough question to ask. But do you think there's an opportunity to leverage AI to support your your well being? I don't know all the specifics of the kind of how it's being used across the financial sector, but the idea of nudges is powerful in creating habits. You know, yeah. kind of hold ourselves to our best intent, not to kind of the habitualization that we fall back into. And AI is a powerful nudge tool, right? I get the yeah. the reminder to stand up from my iPhone. I can look at my steps and know what's happening. I can set alerts when my accounts dip below a certain level. I can set notifications when my credit increases. So to me, that's one of the most powerful things about AI is the opportunity to nudge people and remind people so that they do keep making those small short-term decisions that are powerful for their long-term well-being. That's that's a really, really great point. You know, it's you're not you're not going to be able to really move things in mass, it's those little baby steps that you can take that you can, you know, kind of set and and have that 
friend, that friendly AI, that friendly technology just kind of pushing you along. And then before you know it, you're going to look back and go, wow, like I, I moved a mountain, but I did it in little tiny baby steps. So really, really great input and advice. Um, and also a little bit of a teaser for an upcoming episode that we're planning to, where we are planning to uh, challenge AI and some financial advice that they give to see if you can really get some some solid financial advice and well-being advice from, from AI and technology. So stay tuned for a future episode uh, and definitely a good reason to subscribe if you have not already. All right. So uh, we're going to pivot over to our member mailbag. And if you have a question or comment for a future member mailbag segment, please send it to AffinityFCU on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag member mailbag, all one word. Uh, Sean, do you want to kick us off for the member mailbag today? Would love to. I love this part of the, uh, the podcast. I'm not going to lie. So in the member mailbag, which I don't know if we have a, I think, feel like we need a, um, like a sound of me digging through the mailbag on this one. But uh, so, uh, when, I, when I was in my 20s- We're going to get you an actual burlap sack or, or the with, actual with sack. Uh, letters, Sean. Don't I'll worry. hold it up to the microphone. I'll dig into it for a minute. Um, so here's what we received today. When I was in my 20s, I made some bad financial decisions and ended up with a lot of credit card debt. Now that I'm in my 30s, my financial situation is better than it was, but I'm still paying the price for my lower credit score. Do you have any tips for raising or repairing your credit? I would like to buy a house within the next two or three years. So Grant, I will, uh, I'll put right. you back on the spot on this one. Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, the, the number one thing that can, you can do to, to improve your credit is use credit that, you know, it's, it's tough to say based off of this person's situation, if they're in a place where they can get some sort of uh, credit card or some sort of loan that they can constantly pay. Um, but that's really the number one thing, you know, if, if, their credit is in a really tough spot where they're not qualifying for any qualifying for anything. Um, a secured card is a great way to, to to go. You know, basically what that is is you put down a deposit. That's your that's your credit limit, and then you can use that card um, just like any other credit card. But the trick is, you know, you you never want to go up to the limit. You want to keep it. You know, I think it's thirty percent utilization is really kind of that sweet spot for that. And you just want to be consistent. You know, spend it every month on some reoccurring utility or bill, pay it off at the end, that's going to benefit your credit. And that slow, steady, repeated payment history is going to slowly work you there. Um, you know, two to three years might be tough for, for buying a house, depending on where that, that credit currently lies. Um, but the sooner you start, the better. How about you, Sean? What, what, what advice do you have for them? No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, some people feel that, you know, my, my credit is poor, so I need to kind of pause, right? I don't want to have a credit card. I don't want to use a credit card. I don't want to apply for a loan because my my interest rate will be much higher than it would have been, you know, if my credit score was above 700. Um, so to your point, it is important to continue to use credit, but ensure that you're educated on the best ways to use credit to improve your credit score overall. Um, Mara had a great point even before talking about AI. Set those alerts, right? Set the alerts. You can use Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. All of them, I believe, offer um, credit alerts. So monitor your score. Get excited when it does you know, increase. Um, have that credit card, even if it is a secured credit card. And to your point, Grant, show that you can use it responsibly. That ultimately is what the credit score is going to be based on, right? How responsible are you with your credit? Um, and they want to see you use it. If you're not utilizing your credit that you're not necessarily helping yourself. So again, I think some people have that misconception that 
they just need to stop for a while and it'll get better. Unfortunately, you should continue to um, utilize your credit, but just do it properly. And that's why I always tell people also, we have some amazing tools online to help kind of educate our members on what that looks like. We have amazing individuals over the phone and in branches that are happy to have these conversations with you as well. So again, if, if I'm in this situation, um, first, educate yourself on what makes up that credit score. And then second, create that plan for the next two or three years. And you know, hopefully we can get you into a good place where you are in a house. Um, that's always a success story for us. The person that wants the car or to buy a house and their credit's just unfortunately not where it needs to be right now. We'd love to see that journey and get them into that, that dream car, that dream house. Yeah, that's, that's a really great point. Um, you know, I've, I've actually heard that before where people that have either gone into bankruptcy or defaulted on a loan, you know, they think that that's it. They think that they're kind of in a spot where they're never going to get out of it. Um, but you know, really in as little as one to two years, as long as you're being proactive and working, you know, your way back to a, a good spot financially, you can start to build that credit back up in, in not too long of a time. But if you just sit around and kind of wait for something to happen, well, it's not going to help your credit. It's just going to kind of stay where it is and you're still going to be in that that same spot. So a lot of us, I would say most people already have a monthly bill that they can kind of set on a, on a card and just have it automatically get charged and paid off. So, you know, definitely take action. Definitely talk to somebody. Um, another resource I, I did want to mention too is, you know, all affinity members have access to our credit counseling agencies. They can also obviously help with that as well. Um, so Mara, did you, you want to add any input there? No comment. <laughs> I think you guys covered it. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so we're going to pivot real quick to our product spotlight today, and we are once again talking about our favorite product, the Smart Start Savings. Whether you're saving for a down payment, dream vacation, or rainy day, we're here to help you earn more towards your financial goals with Affinity's award-winning high-yield Smart Start Savings account. Affinity Smart Start Savings earns 4.0 annual percentage yield on the first $10,000 in savings, which is 10 times the national average as reported by the FDIC. This means a higher savings rate on more dollars for Affinity members. For those new to the program, it's unique for its inverted interest structure that encourages our members to get started on their savings journey with no minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. It's a great way to get started building your emergency fund since the structure allows for easy access to funds when you need it with no limitations on transfers or withdrawals. And did I mention that Smart Start is award-winning? Affinity Smart Start Saving Account was recently named Best Credit Union Savings Account for deposits under $10,000 by CNBC Select and was previously recognized as Best High Yield Savings Account by the buy side for the Wall Street Journal. Save smart, earn more, and reach your financial dreams quicker with Smart Start. You can visit affinityfcu.com forward slash smart start to learn more. All right. So we've reached the end of our journey today. Uh, this has been some great info and some great advice. Uh, you know, we've talked about the five pillars of well-being and what they are. We've talked about that interconnected nature. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about how people can work towards their overall uh, well-being and happiness. Um, and then we talked a little bit about the state of financial well-being, banking, and the economy. Uh, what, any, any final words that, that we'd like to, to share? Uh, Mara, why don't you go first as our, our special guest? Thanks, Grant. This has been a lot of fun uh, hanging out with you and Sean. 
I guess it just makes me think a little bit about our founder, Dr. George Gallup, who started polling in the 1930s. And he used to always say, there's 5 billion ways to lead a life and we should study them all. And I just share that as a nudge that there's there's a lot of different ways to lead a life. And so think about what your best life is and then go out and get it. Uh, you mentioned that contrast can be a problem when it context is everything. And when we're comparing ourselves to others, that can be problematic. So I just encourage everybody to think about what their best life is and, um, and, and try to reduce the stress and increase the enjoyment as you work towards it. Excellent. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, Sean, any, any final, final words from you? Yeah, I, um, I love what Mara just said and I can't, you know, I, I agree so much. Every person's situation is very unique. Right. And I can't remind the listeners enough that we are here for them. We're here for our members. We're here for the communities that we're in. Um, we want to hear from you. So you're, you're not in it alone. Uh, while we are the experts from the financial pillar perspective, we do have resources in all pillars. So we want to have that conversation, get to know you, understand what's you, you know, you, unique to your situation or your goals and help you achieve them. Um, but again, not solely just from the financial perspective. Um, please come visit us in one of our branches across New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. Give us a call. Um, we have everybody on our front line, like I've said before, is absolutely amazing and, and really truly cares about making a difference in our members' lives. So can't encourage you all enough to, to reach out to us and have that conversation. Thank you, Sean. And of course, we can't miss out on the opportunity to plug our uh, two newest branch locations. If you're in the Madison, New Jersey area, please stop by and stop by our branch. It's a beautiful location. We'd love to have you and talk well-being with you. Uh, and then coming later this year in the fall, uh, we're opening a location in River Edge, New Jersey. So stay tuned for more information and the grand opening on that. We'd love to see you there. Uh, Sean and myself will be there. Uh, Mara, I don't think you're going to be flying out to the East Coast for that. But you know, <laughs> if you do want to make a surprise appearance, we will be more than happy to welcome you with open arms. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. All right. So that brings us to the end. Uh, just a reminder that if you have a question or a comment for a future member mailbag segment, please send it to Affinity FCU on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag member mailbag. And as always, rate, like, and subscribe for more well-being in your wallet podcast. You can visit affinityfcu.com for additional information about financial well-being and all of the affinity products we talked about today. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And as always, be well. Be well.